Let's pray and then we'll get into today's message, right? Uh, Lord, we thank you uh, for the day and uh, we thank you for this time of year and we especially thank you for this story. Uh, what an amazing thing that we get to focus on uh, this time of year, to, to focus on Jesus coming to rescue us and to save us and to give us new life. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray, amen. So one of the, the dominant themes of, of this time of year are Christmas stories. Uh, we love to tell stories uh, this time of year. You, you think about the Santa story, uh, just for a minute, uh, that the story of Santa Claus is about a generous, jolly man who uh, delivers toys to nice boys and girls all over the world. Uh, you know, he knows if you are sleeping, he knows if you're awake, you know, kind of creepy, but cool at the same time, right? Uh, you know, just kind of watching you day in and day out. Uh, we, we love stories. You think about the story of the, uh, the, the movie, The Christmas Story. It's about a boy that desperately wants a Red Ryder BB gun, uh, but he's not sure he's going to get it because his mom's always saying that you'll shoot your eye out with that gun, right? Uh, the National Lampoon's Vacation, it's the story of Clark Griswold, who wants just a big kind of family Christmas, uh, and Cousin Eddie is trying to rob him of all his Christmas joy and waiting for the Christmas bonus. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life, the story of George Bailey, who wants to live a big life. Uh, he grows up desperately wanting to make a difference and live a big life. And by the end of the movie, he realizes that his quote unquote small life has actually made a, a big difference. So you think about the story of Charlie Brown uh, seeking meaning in Christmas and he finds out at the end of it what Christmas is all about. And those are great stories. They, they really, really are, but they pale in comparison, right? They pale in comparison to the, to the true story of, of Christmas, what Christmas is all about, uh, the, the story of the good news, the story of really great news, not, not to differ with the gospel writers, but you'll see on our uh, nativity over here that we've added the angels in, and I think the angels play such a dominant role in this story compared to some of the other stories of the Bible. You do not see angels as present in many of the other stories of the Bible, but you do uh, in the Christmas story. And in a way, it makes a whole lot of sense because the angels are the heralds. They, they proclaim God's message. And this was the biggest message, uh, the most important message, the greatest message that had ever hit humanity. John 3.16 says it this way, God so loved the world that he gave first gift of Christmas, his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. It's such a big and profound and good message. It is of no surprise to me that repeatedly, repeatedly throughout the Christmas story, you see the angels present, making sure, because you know how we are as humans, right? We mess things up, right? And, and so God's like, I'm going to make sure you don't mess this up. I am going to send angels to tell you exactly what to do, exactly when to do it, and there will be no mistaking it. Because as you know, if you've read the Bible at all, you know that angels are not these cute, lovable babies in diapers, right? That as a matter of fact, when, when angels appear, the first thing they say is, do not be afraid, because they are big, bold, majestic creatures. I say, hey, don't be freaked out right now. Don't be afraid. Uh, I, I've, got, I've got good news of great joy for you. And so you see these angels all throughout the story helping us as humans, uh, helping Mary, helping Joseph, helping the shepherds, helping us along so that we as humans do the thing God wants us to do, right? And so let's, uh, I want to just show you, some of these are going to be repeat from a few weeks ago and next week, but 
That's okay at Christmas, I think, right? You can't get enough of these texts. And so let's take a look at the presence of the angels in the story. We're gonna start with Joseph. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So the angel declares to Joseph that through his son, through this son, Jesus, that you and I can be saved from our sins. You see that in text? She'll give birth to a son. You're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins in verse 21. So let's talk about sin just for a moment this Christmas. Um, sin, in the original definition of it, it means to miss. That's all it means. It means to miss the target. So throughout the Old Testament and the New, God articulates the target. He articulates that this is how you should live, this is what you should do, that this is what it looks like to live a holy and righteous life, this is the best way to live, and repeatedly in the law and in the New Testament, God articulates this is the target for marriage, this is the target for worship, this is the target when it comes to your anger, this is the target when it comes to family, and the definition of sin is that God articulates this target and we as human beings have missed it, All right? We've all had the Christmas gift miss, right? That when you're all gathered together as a family and they open your present and they open it and they uh, do that whole thing and they have a smile on their face and they say thank you, but you can just tell they don't love it. Uh, you can just tell. Now, if you, were, if you were with my son Sam, he'd just tell you he doesn't love it. But, right, but most people, they smile, right? And they're like, oh, thank you so much, right? They just smile and thank you so much. Uh, and, and then, but you can just tell. You can tell they don't, they, you can tell it's a miss. We've all had that experience at Christmas, and we've all had that experience reading the Bible, where you read a command or you read a passage and you think to yourself, Ugh, I missed that. So the Bible says we've all missed. Uh, the way the Bible actually says it is all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all miss. And this is what is so crazy about the overly judgmental person, right? They are pointing out the sin of every other person as though they've missed it and they have not when judgment is actually a mess. The Bible says we shouldn't do that. So right, it's a really interesting thing, but they, they miss the mark as well. We all have, we've all missed. And the Bible says the wages of that miss, the wages of that sin is death. Aren't you so glad Christmas morning doesn't work that way, right? What a dark thing. That, but but we, we have to understand that God is holy and perfect and righteous, more than we can even imagine. And his standard is a bullseye and we've all missed. So our sin separates us from God. Our sin separates us from each other. Our sin separates us from the life that God has in store for us. And while that's true, what the angel declares to Joseph is also true. He says, we've all missed, right? So if you're in here today and you're thinking, everybody here's got it together but me. Everybody's making good decisions but me. Everybody's hitting the bullseye but me. I'm their pastor and I know better. I'm telling you that's not true. And it's especially true of the guy on the stage. 
We've all missed. We've all missed. But what the angel says is also true. We can be saved from our sins. And this is true on a spiritual level, that Jesus comes and he lives a perfect life. He never misses. And so as the perfect sacrifice, he pays the price for our miss. Remember, the wages of the miss is death. Jesus comes, he lives a perfect life, and he goes to the cross. He dies in our place so that our sin can be forgiven. And we can know God in this life and the next. This is the beginning of the story of Christmas. And you and I, we were created for that. You were created to know God. You were created to be in relationship to God. You were created to worship God. But God demands that we hit the target and we've all missed. So what happens? Jesus comes and he pays the price so we can know God in this life and then the next. But I believe it's also true on another level. That Jesus doesn't just forgive our sin. Jesus comes and he shows us an example of the best way to live. Like I said, he never missed. He came as a teacher to literally tell us. He said, I'll set an example for you, but let me also just tell you how, what the best way is to live. He gives us the Holy Spirit to empower. So he says, I'm going to show you, I'm going to tell you, and then I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit to help empower you. So Jesus doesn't just want to forgive your sin. He does that, but that's not all he came to do. He wants to help us live new lives, to overcome temptation, to move past destructive behaviors, to, to make better decisions. And so, especially as we're approaching the New Year's, I'm like, man, I made some lousy decisions in 2023. And he says, yeah, yeah, follow my example, listen to my teaching, receive the Holy Spirit, and let me help you with that in the new year. This is what the angels declare. The story of Mary. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. <clears throat> the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. So he talks to Joseph about how Jesus will come and he will save his people from their sins. He says to Mary that Jesus is going to come and he's going to usher in this new kingdom. Right, you probably noticed the kingdom language in the text, that he will be given the throne of his father, David. And David is considered to be one of, if not the greatest king in Israel's history. And so there was this belief that ultimately the Messiah would come from David's line. The book of Matthew Right? Luke starts with the Virgin Mary and uh, Joseph and all this stuff. When you read Matthew's account of the, of the story, he gets to all of that, but he starts with a list of names. And you're like, man, Matthew, I don't think you know how to start a story, Matthew, right? This is not, there's no drama in this. What are you doing? The people reading it, they would have seen the drama of it because the point of that genealogy is to show us that Jesus comes from the line of David. He's from that line, and he came to establish a new kingdom. A lot of people were really confused by this because like we talked about last Sunday, at the time that Jesus was born, Rome was occupying Israel and a lot of people thought that the Savior and the Messiah was going to be a political leader and he would restore Israel to their political national prominence and kick Rome out of the region. And they imposed their vision on Jesus. And Jesus repeatedly has to say to them, 
No, no, no. I came to establish a new kingdom. I came to establish a new kingdom. It's not political. It's not governmental. I came to establish a kingdom that is bigger than all of that. It's the kingdom of God. And we don't use the word kingdom much anymore, uh, specifically to describe our lives. But let me ask you this. Do you remember as a kid when you'd be so frustrated with the, these pesky entities called parents, right? And, and you would just kind of dream as a kid about what, how you would live your life without these pesky parents, right? And you would have these kind of crazy thoughts of, oh man, when I'm finally free of my parents, I'm going to eat candy all day long. Or I'm going to watch as much TV or movies as I want to watch. Or I'm going to play video games until I literally have a migraine. I'm never going to bath or, or take a bath or a shower again. Christmas will be year-round. And you, you wouldn't articulate it this way, but what you're doing in that moment, and all of us do this, even as adults, is you are articulating, this is the kingdom of fill in your name. This is my kingdom, and this is how it's going to work. This is what it's going to look like. This is what I'm going to do in my kingdom. And that's what you think when you're 10. And then when you're like 20, something starts to happen when you're 20, and then 30 is those pesky parents become super smart. And you're like, oh, if I eat candy all day, I get sick. Or if I play video game all day, I get a migraine. If I, well, yeah, pesky parents become more intelligent. I long for the day. All right, so... But everybody does this, right? Everybody has this way that they articulate, this is what the kingdom of Steve, this is what the kingdom of whatever, this is what it looks like if I were in charge. And Jesus came and established his kingdom. And if you really want to know the vision the king has for the kingdom, here's your Christmas week assignment. Read and reread and reread Matthew 5 through 7. Matthew 5 through 7 is Jesus' vision for his kingdom. So he talks in this sermon about the Sermon on the Mount, how blessing comes into his kingdom, how we treat our neighbor, how we treat our enemies, how we treat our neighbors who are our enemies, right? How, he, 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 how we worship, how we pray, how we fast, how we relate to one another. It's incredible. And we believe as we read Matthew 5 through 7, this is not just a nice sermon. This is our king's vision of his kingdom. And so we strive to follow it because he's our king. We strive to follow it and obey it. Not so we'll be saved because we are. And we're a part of his kingdom and he's our king. And this is what he says the kingdom looks like. And we should be thrilled. We should be thrilled that our kingdom is run by someone as gracious and kind and wise as Jesus. I wonder if Mary and Joseph needed to hear this, that when Mary and Joseph were kind of growing up, their region was controlled, like I said last week, by Rome. But Rome had put kind of a puppet king in charge of their region, and, and it was a man named Herod. And Herod controlled that whole region for Caesar, and he kind of demanded that he be called king of the Jews. Well, you remember how the story goes, that some wise men came through, and they meet up with Herod to ask if he knew I, Herod, do you happen to know where the one who is king of the Jews has been born? And the text says when Herod heard this, he was disturbed. He was disturbed. And after trying a few other things to find out where the child was conceived, this maniacal kind of crazy man uh, issued a decree that all the baby boys in Bethlehem who were two years old and younger be killed. Right? This, is, this is the mental state of Herod. 
This is what he thinks is the answer to this. He's king of the Jews. One who uh, has been born king of the Jews has come in, and this is his solution to the to the, to, the, to the problem. But Mary and Joseph had been warned in a dream to leave the area. Again, the protection of God and his angels. angels. But I wonder, living under that regime, Caesar and Herod, I wonder if Mary and Joseph and all the Jewish people living under these two people, if they needed to hear this, hey, your son is going to be king. And he's not going to be like Herod. And he's not going to be like Caesar. Because Herod is not the true king. He's just a puppet king for Rome. Caesar is not the true king. This baby is going to grow up and he is the king. And God's hand and protection and will will be done. They will not win the final day. And some days, I think, I said this last week, but I want to say it again because it's so powerful to me. I think some days we just need to be reminded of this, right? Cancer is not king. It's not. Joblessness is not king. Our enemies are not king. Divorce is not king. Difficult relationships are not king. Jesus is our king. He is our king of kings, and he is our Lord of lords. And at the end of the day, Jesus will stand victorious. It might feel like Herod is having his way. It might feel like Caesar is having his way. It might feel like these things are having their way. But at the end of the day, Jesus will stand victorious. He will stand supreme. He will remain on his throne. He is our king. And so this Christmas, I'm assuming there's a lot of people in this room that are filled with great joy and anticipation about family Christmas and stuff with kids and stuff with family. And there's probably people in this room that really, you just can't wait till January because of your circumstances. I understand that. I want you to know those circumstances are not king. Whatever they are, Jesus is your king. And you can sit here today in the most difficult of circumstances, and, and may not be able to celebrate every aspect of Christmas, all the family, and that's, that's okay. But today, in a very small way, you can, and, and even in, a, in a large way as well, you can celebrate. Jesus is my king. My current circumstances are not king. Jesus is. Let me show you, show you the story of the shepherds. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Messiah the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger, and suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. And the angel reminds these shepherds that ultimately this is what the Christmas story is all about. This is, and this is our part of it. This is the way we get invited to participate in the Christmas story is praising God. The angel set this example for us. Praising God for who he is and what he's done. Praising him for his grace. Praising him for his patience. Praising him for his work. Praising him for his wisdom and knowledge. Praising him for his resurrection. And this praise can be done in so many different ways. We tend to think about it in singing, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. But praising can take on so many different forms. Obedience of his commands is a form of praise. 
Prayer is a form of praise. Sharing your faith is a form of praise. Preaching and teaching, what's happening here, is a form of praise. Sacrifice, self-sacrifice is a form of praise. Serving is a form of praise. And of course, singing is a form of, a, a form of praise. So I don't know what your favorite aspect of Christmas is. Maybe for some of you here today, it's the food, and you just love the sweets and the chocolate and the cookies. And me too, right? I, I'm into it. Maybe for you it's the sights and you love the decorations and the lights and all of that. Maybe for you it's the smell and you love the smell of pine in your house and the smell of hot chocolate on the stove. For a lot of people, their favorite part of Christmas is the music. Some of you start listening at Halloween and we know who you are. (laughs) Right? Some of you start listening to Christmas music as early as Halloween. As soon as the first cold breaks, you're, you're, you're listening, right? But a lot of these songs are actually songs of praise that praise God for who he is and what he has done. O Holy Night, in that song, we are reminded that the world was in sin and air pining, wasting away until our dear Savior's birth and the appearance of him and and our souls felt the worth of his salvation. God rest you, merry gentlemen. In this song, we find tidings of comfort and joy that come from knowing that, quote, Jesus Christ, our Savior, has been born to save us from all of Satan's power when we had all gone astray. Hark the herald angels sing, says that we can only uh, learn, we, that we can learn that only through the newborn king can God and sinners be reconciled. The first Noel reiterates this point that lets us all with one accord sing praises to our heavenly Lord who hath made heaven and earth of naught with his blood mankind hath bought. Silent Night reminds us that there were uh, that that, uh, when he penned these words he reminds us that radiant beams came from his holy face with the dawn of redeeming grace. And redeeming grace is why Jesus came. It's why we praise him. Joy to the world reminds us that earth should receive her king and every heart should prepare him room. And and, O come let us adore him reminds us and underscores the worshipful attitude that characterizes all of us who trust in Jesus. Angels are an example to us. They come as an example of praise. They were all about the glory of God and giving him praise for who he is and what we had done. And when we talk about Christmas, this is our invitation into it. It is that we point people to Jesus. We give him honor and glory. And my prayer is that you and I, that this Christmas season, we would all about, we would be all about giving glory and glory to God in our lives. That when good things happen, We would give all honor and praise to Jesus for this good thing that's happened. And when bad things happen, that we would continue to worship and continue to follow, giving him glory no matter what. In my work and in my life and in my free time, that you and I, we would look for ways to give God honor and glory and praise. I love what the angels say. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. I think those statements work together, right? I really do. That when God is glorified, when we're all about him, when we're focused on him with our lives, peace comes, right? They work together. That when we're all about the glory of God and we're reminded of how big he is and how in control he is and how powerful he is, when we're all about God and all about God's glory, peace tends to follow. Let me ask you this. 
are angels ever stressed out? Right? Are angels ever stressed out? No, because they have seen the glory of God. They are all about the glory of God. They live for the glory of God. So there are never angels going, I don't know how this is going to work out, right? Angels do not get stressed out. Now, the Bible says that angels long, angels long to see, I wonder what God's going to do. I wonder what God's going to accomplish. I wonder how God is going to use this for good. So they are not stressed, but they long to see what God will do. And this Christmas season, I would like for my life, and I would like for your life, less stressing and more longing. Let's be like the angels. Stress says, how am I going to accomplish everything? How am I going to get it done? How am I going to overcome? How am I going to win the battle? How am I, 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 I? That causes stress. Longing says, I can't wait to see what God does through this. I can't wait to see how he's glorified. I can't wait to see what he accomplishes. I can't wait to see what happens. I can't wait for God. That's the difference between a stress reaction and a longing reaction. And so this Christmas, I want to encourage you to long more, to trust God more, and just say, I can't wait to see what God does in this situation. Long more and stress less. You think about the story of the cross, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. During the death and even the burial, you see the disciples, they are so stressed Their leader and their friend has been killed. But three days later, Jesus rose from the dead. And after that, we see this group of followers that have received the Holy Spirit. And they don't seem, when you read the book of Acts, they don't seem that stressed anymore. They don't seem seem like they did in the Gospels. They're not stressed. Now, they are longing for some things. They are longing for the return of Jesus. They are longing for an end of their suffering. They are longing for a change in their circumstances, but the resurrection of Jesus taught them, no, 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 do not be stressed, do not be afraid, do do not walk in that fear. Instead, shift your stress to longing. And this comes from trusting in God. It's what the angels, because the angels have seen the glory of God, they're so good at this, we have to work a little harder at it than the angels do, because they're in God's presence. They they know, They, they know that God's in charge. They know God's on the throne. We have to work at this a little bit. But when you find yourself stressing to say, no, 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 I'm a follower of Jesus. I believe the resurrection. I believe God's on the throne. I'm going to shift from stressed to longing. What is he going to do? What is he going to accomplish? How is his name going to be made known and great through the circumstances? I can't wait to see what he does. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the story of these angels and what they teach us uh, every step of the way about your mission that Jesus came to save us from our sins. What they teach us about Mary and how, and and Jesus' mission, what they teach us about his mission through Mary, that he came to usher in a new kingdom. And what they teach us about our mission, that we should be longers, not stressors, And we should be all about your glory. May we be like the angels in this regard. That that we are all about your glory. We're all about giving praise to your name. And we long this morning to see what you're going to do in our circumstances. 
We long to see it. We're, we're casting away our stress right now, even as I pray. We're casting away our stress and we're picking up and receiving longing. Longing comes because we trust you. We trust your will. We trust your ways. We trust your power and your ability. We trust you above all. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. We're gonna receive communion right now to remind ourselves of this, that there came a time where Jesus went to the cross, just like it was said to Joseph, to save his people from their sins. Jesus went to that cross and resurrected to usher in a new kingdom, just like it was said to Mary. And this is our, this is our like angelic kind of response as well, that we get to kind of join the angels in this regard. That we can now say, man, because of what you've done, Jesus, we are all about your glory. We are all about your name. We renew our trust in you. Our circumstances may have become big this last week. Tonight, we allow them to get back into their small position, and Christ is king, and Christ is big in this moment. And so we move right now from stress to longing. Just curious what God's going to do, believing that all things work for the good believing that God can accomplish amazing, amazing things, even in difficult circumstances, because this moment that we're going to remember and celebrate right now proves it. This was in the darkest, most difficult moments in human history. God's son was killed on a cross, and three days later, he resurrected. And the disciples said, man, if God can do that, what else can he do? And so right now, we renew our commitment to the kingdom. We renew our commitment that we have our... our, uh, assurance in the forgiveness of sins through the cross. And right now we just think through, God, we want to be longers. We don't want to be stressors. We want to be longers. Help us to do it in Jesus' name. So we're going to pass out communion, and I'll come back up in just a minute. We'll receive it all together as a church family, and it's just an opportunity for us to remember his death, his burial, and his resurrection. I'll come back up in just a moment. His body given for you. His blood poured out. Jesus, we thank you for the forgiveness of sins. We thank you for a new and better kingdom that you have invited us into. And right now, as we get ready to leave this place, I pray that we would be all about your glory and your name. And as your glory and your name becomes bigger and bigger, we move from stress to longing because you become bigger than our problems. And we are reminded in this moment of how you can use all things for good. So we trust in that as well. We thank you again for Jesus and his resurrection. It's in his name we pray, amen. I know a lot of uh, people are uh, kind of traveling around for Christmas and next Sunday is uh, Christmas Eve, but you will notice uh, a big miss so far in the nativity is the baby right? Uh, and so next Sunday morning, we are going to look at the baby uh, in the manger, Jesus, and all the various kind of names and attributes that he has given uh, throughout the Christmas story. And then next Sunday night, we are going to be looking at the director of the whole thing, the director of the cast, uh, and uh, kind of God's role, Father God's role in, in all of this. And so hopefully you can make it to those two services. I totally understand people travel at Christmas, uh, but we would love to have you.
Uh, if you're here today and you have any questions about our church or prayer requests of any kind, a couple of our elders are going to be in the overflow right over here. They would love to talk with you, pray with you, answer any questions that you have. And so at the end of our service, you can just kind of walk over there and meet them. And we are glad you're here. I haven't said it yet. So Merry Christmas. God bless you guys. Let's go ahead and stand and close with one last song.